Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I'm going to spend a lot of time dealing with the city of Philadelphia, as we have done on a few of the letters. Just a couple of things that I think is important for us to notice because it relates to what the Lord had to say to the church in Philadelphia. First of all, the city of Philadelphia was established by the Roman Empire just a little over a hundred years prior to Paul's writing, or to John's writing this letter, rather. It was established for the purpose of being a center to bring the Greek culture to the pagan world. The Roman Empire adopted the Greek culture and their literature and, and all of the things that were finer things in life from the Greeks. They wanted to spread this culture throughout Asia, Asia Minor, over into Europe. And this city was established in order that it might be a, a city in the forefront that would proclaim the message of the Greek culture. In this city was a church. I will come back to that in a moment. The area of Asia Minor, as is much of the world, was subject to uh, earthquakes. This city was extremely wealthy. Very wealthy. But, when the earthquake hit, it devastated them. It tore down their buildings, it tore down their homes, the whole thing. And Caesar sent uh, a relief group from Rome over to Philadelphia in order that he might put them back into shape so that they could return to being that city out there to proclaim the gospel of the Greek culture, if we can use that term. And in honor of the gift that Caesar provided to Philadelphia, the town renamed itself. I want you to remember this because the Lord talks about a new name. They changed their name from Philadelphia to Neo-Caesarea, or the new town of Caesar. That will become important before we get done tonight. A new name was placed upon the city. All right. Let's draw some parallels between this city and the church that was in the city. And I think we can quickly identify from this letter that the Lord is saying, as the city of Philadelphia was established as a, a forerunner, a group of people out front to proclaim the, uh, the mission of establishing the Greek culture, so I have established the church to be a church that proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who need to know it. Into the pagan world, into the lost world, the mission of the church is to proclaim Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen again, and coming again into this world. We find that mission that the Lord gave himself in the book of Matthew in the last very few words of that book. And let, let me go to them and read them. 
I think I could quote them, but, but let, me, let me read them to be sure I don't misread. When Jesus was standing ready to be taken up into heaven, he spoke these words in the 18th, 19th, and 20th verses to the people that were there before he ascended, before he rose back to heaven. He said to them, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. We're going to see that power in the month of March as we look to the final days of Revel in Revelation. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then look at what he said to the church. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now the word nations we're going to discover in the month of March, the word nations is referring to the lost. Go ye therefore and preach, teach all of the lost, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Notice the commission of the church was to go to the last. Now, I would suggest to you if you could look at church after church after church in the world today, you would discover that most of them have no idea what their mission is. The mission of the church is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ that the lost might be saved. In thinking of this and putting it in, in, a, in another framework, you consider this when you see a strong church, one who proclaims the gospel of Christ, you will find three things about those churches. Number one, they're all evangelistic. A strong church will be an evangelistic church, which means that the church is endeavoring to win the lost to Jesus Christ. That's paramount. Secondly, a strong church is one who has a missionary effort, a missionary outreach, a missionary concern. Sometimes we get so involved in preserving ourselves and building up our little congregation that we forget that we must look outside ourselves to other people, to other communities, to other churches across the world, to, to areas where the gospel has not been preached, and in other communities, and there use our efforts by our financial means or by our personal going or whatever to see to it that other people have had the same privilege as we have had in hearing the gospel and having a strong church built in their community. It might seem strange, but even in West Virginia, there are whole communities without a church. We don't normally think of that. And in other lands, there are whole nations who have never had the gospel preached to them. And we must be the missionary effort that the Lord has established to go into all the world, he said, and preach the gospel. Teach them who the lost to observe all things that I have commanded you. Well, you have learned from me. Our job is to reach out and not stay 
bundle up within. So two things that makes a strong church is an evangelistic effort to the community in which it lives, but likewise it's a concern for those who have not had the privileges that we have had to give and to support in whatever methods we can to join with others that other people might hear the same gospel. And the third thing, also very important and indication of a strong church, is a church that loves and studies the scripture. That means it will have a strong Sunday school. It means it will have a strong Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study. It means that it will be a, a group of people who are on their own, in their own homes, take the Bible and really study it. I'm always interested in getting a peek into somebody else's Bible. I almost feel like sometimes that's invading privacy but I still like to do it because when I see their Bible all marked up, I know one thing is happening. It's being used. And that's what we need. People who will read and reread their Bible so much and get it so marked up that they have to buy a new one and start all over because it's being read and studied and loved. And sometimes there are tear marks on the pages. That indicates people who love God's Word. Now you put those three things together, an evangelistic fervor, a missionary outreach, and a real study of God's Word, and you've got a strong church. The church of Philadelphia was strong. There is not one criticism in the Bible of the church in Philadelphia. The only church in all of these seven that the Lord didn't criticize in some way or other. The church had a name. It was called Philadelphia. Do you know, I'm sure you do, but Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is called the city of brotherly love. The literal meaning of Philadelphia is very similar. One who loves his brother. I think this was a key and why the Lord wrote this letter to this particular church because they were true to their name in that they loved their brethren. I'm not going to get on the subject of love too much tonight. We have worked that one over pretty good in, in the last few, few weeks, but I feel that if there is anything that I must continue to repeat, that if we love God, we will love our brother also. And if we love our brother, it is an indication that we love God. And this was what that group of people were all about. You remember last week we talked about Sardis. And he said, you have a name that you live, but it's a false name. It doesn't mean anything. You haven't lived up to your name. We need to live up to our name. And when you see Olive Branch Missionary Baptist Church written across this building, it must mean something. And we must be sure that this community knows what it means and we live up to that name. The Lord has given us a mission. Do we know what our mission is? One of the things that I'm going to suggest we do after the revival is over, I'm going to suggest that we look at our mission and that we have it clear in our mind 
and written well in her heart what we were all about. To reaffirm our mission as a church. It's going to take some time, and I don't want to just, well, I don't want to spill the beans on what I'm planning uh, beyond that for the time being. I haven't even talked to the deacons about it yet, but, but I've got some ideas. But that's the key. That is that we know what we're all about. Paul was a tremendous missionary. He had a mission. On one occasion, he wanted to go into Asia. The Lord wouldn't let him in. Lord stopped him. And it worried Paul. He prayed about it. And one night in the middle of his sleep, he had a vision. The vision was a man standing on the shores of Macedonia. And the man was saying, come over and help us. And the Lord got through to Paul and made him understand. The door, Paul, that I'm opening for you is in Macedonia. That's your mission field. The Lord has a door for us to go through as a church, but also as single individuals. Do you know where your mission field is? Who is it that's calling out to you to come and help me? Come and preach to me. Come and teach me. Come and explain to me what it's all about. I think sometimes those doors open and we hesitate to take advantage of them and we don't go through but the Lord said to the church of Philadelphia, I have put before you an open door, and nobody's going to shut it. Folks, I believe the Lord has put before the Olive Branch Baptist Church an open door to this community. I believe with all my heart, and I see it every time I drive up and down this road, and I did a little bit of driving just this afternoon, See a few people. I am amazed, if that's the right word, at the opportunity that this church has to fulfill its mission to proclaim the gospel in this community in a dynamic way. Because I believe that the Lord has opened the door. Are we going to be wise enough and brave enough to go through it? proclaim the work that he's lined out for us. There are people like the Macedonian that the Lord wants you and he wants me to talk to, to give the gospel to. I think you'll find out if you spend any time doing it that the Lord goes before you and prepares for you the heart of the person to whom you're going to talk. They're waiting to hear from you because you have seen the vision to go into Macedonia. The only question is, are we going to do it? All right, let's go on. The Lord commends them for their work. There's nothing wrong with them. He says in verse 8, I know your works. 
He goes on to say, and that you have a little strength. Let me interpret that. Verse 8, thou hast a little strength. I think that has been misinterpreted. What I believe the proper interpretation is that John is saying, the Lord is saying through John, there aren't many of you. You're a small congregation, but that doesn't make any difference. You've got power because I'm filling you. Do you remember the parable? Uh, well, what's the parable? The, the event of Jesus going out on the mountainside with his disciples and that whole crowd followed until there were in one case 4,000, another case 5,000 people that gathered around on the hillside to hear the Lord preach and it came time to eat. And they were still there. Nobody had gone out for lunch. And Jesus said to the disciples, feed these people. And they said, with what? And the Lord said, what do you have? The disciples, I'm reading a little in between the lines. The disciples said, gee, we don't know. We didn't bring any lunch. He said, go find out what you have. They came back in a little bit, and they said, there's a boy in the crowd whose mother prepared him a lunch. He's got some biscuits and a few fish in the lunch. That's all. But what is that among so many people? Jesus said, bring it to me. And he prayed, and he broke it like we broke the bread this morning. And he handed it to his 12 disciples. And he said, now pass it out. It was 5,000 men plus the women and children. And there were 12 baskets of scraps left. The Lord took a little and he made it into much. Sometimes we say, we're so little, we're so weak, that we really can't accomplish much. But listen, a little in the hands of God is much. A small person, a weak person, an insignificant person, God can take and use to multiply his word until there will be souls won to Jesus Christ by the weakness and the frailty of that person. God makes strength. Now he goes on to say that you have there in Philadelphia those who have not denied my name in the latter part of verse 8. Could this statement be made about you and me? There is there in the Olive Branch Missionary Baptist Church a group of people who have not denied my name. I hope that we can be a part of that. And for those people, there is a reward. There is a place in heaven. Let me read the first verse of chapter 4. And after this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. We're going to say something more about that next month. But what I want you to notice, for people who have not denied his name, who have remained faithful. The door of heaven is open. When the day comes that this old world is over, and the angel has stepped forth and blown that trumpet and declared that time will be no more. Free boy. Are you going to go 
Or is there a possibility that the door would be shut in your face because you're not worthy to come in? And the reason that you would not be worthy is that you have not been cleansed and made pure and had white garments on that is required to enter heaven. And how do you get those garments pure? How do you make your life right? How do you make yourself acceptable unto the Lord? You don't. The Lord does it. We simply say unto the Lord, Here I am, Lord, take me just as I am, and he will wash us and purify us and cleanse us. And we walk through the open door. Look at verse 9. He says, For those who are faithful, I am going to give a place of honor in the kingdom. He says in verse 10 and 11, because you have kept the word, I will keep you from the hour of temptation. Now let me interpret that just a bit. He's not saying I'll keep you from being tempted. Listen, we will be tempted to do wrong as long as we live on the earth. This is not referring to present day temptation. It is referring to the day of tribulation. Those people who are faithful unto God, he will not require to go through the seven years of trials that will come upon this earth. We will be taken out. We're going to talk about that next month. The church is going to be raptured. That means caught up out of this world before the world ends up in those final days of tribulation and trials. There's one verse that we'll have to refer to when we get to that point again. Thirdly, in verse 12, he says that those who are faithful, he will make a pillar in the temple. Now let me jump ahead also to something I'll have to say next month. When this whole world is done, the Lord is going to build, as he is now building, a mighty city. It's referred to in the book of Revelation, and we talked about it on one Wednesday night, as being 1,500 miles long, wide, and deep. 1,500 miles. It's called the New Jerusalem. That city becomes, the complete city becomes the temple of God. It becomes the temple of God. All Christian people will live in the temple. Live in the temple. There won't be any need of any sunlight and so on. All those things are talked about. But listen to what he said. To the faithful, to the Christian, he will give a place of honor in making a Christian one of the pillars that holds up the temple. Did you see that? I'm going to be a pillar in the temple of God. You're going to be a pillar in the temple of God. If you're faithful. Now that's what we need in the church, are more pillars. We need people who support and hold up the church. The more pillars we have in the church to support it and hold it up, the stronger we will be. All right, down to verse 11 again. Notice another thing that he says. Behold, I come quickly, hold fast that which you have, but no man take your crown. Do you remember the parable of the talents in which the Lord gave one man five talents, another man two talents, another man one? He said that a rich man was going on a far journey and he brought the servants in and said to one of them, here, I'm going away, I'm going to give you five amounts of money, several thousands of dollars, I want you to use till I come. 
back again. Then another one two and another one one. The Lord returned, and he called his servants in to, to ask them to give an account of that which they had used while he was gone. And the one man with the five talents came, and he said, Here, I've earned five more, and he gave him back with interest. And the two-talent man did the same. But the one-talent man said, Well, I was afraid I might lose it, and so I buried it. Here it is. The Lord was not happy. Because that which he has given us, he expects us to use for his glory. And he took the one talent away and gave it to the man who had five. And the one man had nothing. I'll never forget, when I was a kid, remember this as plain as if it happened yesterday. It taught me a tremendous lesson. Our family was going on a vacation. I have two brothers and a sister. I'm the oldest. I've got a brother two years younger than me and one four years younger than me. And then a sister that's yay many younger than me, younger than me. I forget how old she is. She was a baby when I was growing. On our trip, with just three boys of us, my father gave us a $5 bill each to spend, however we wanted to. Brother next to me was very much interested in that $5 bill, and he handled it and played with it and did all sorts of things, and my father kept telling him, put it away, you're going to lose it. <clears throat> but he insisted he would not. We stopped at Elkins to fill up with gas, and we all went to the restroom. Down the road we went, and all of a sudden my brother, whose name was Don, cried out, I've lost the $5. Dad stopped, asked him what he did with it. He said, I think I left it in that restroom back there. So we turned around and went back, and he went in the restroom, and there it was. He came back out, waving his five-dollar bill. I'll never forget. My dad just reached over and took the five dollars away from him and gave him the 50 cents. <laughs> that boy was as quiet as a mouse. He had been totally defeated because he knew he had abused his privilege. He had not been responsible in taking care of that which had been given to him. It taught me a lesson. Thank goodness I had mine in my pocket, and I didn't lose mine. But it taught me a lesson. What I have been given, I must not abuse the privilege of its use. The Lord has given us the privilege of serving him. Let's not abuse that privilege, but let's use that which he has given for his glory. And he said, those that overcome, I will put my new name. Neo-Caesarea was the new name for Philadelphia because it was named after their benefactor, and the Lord is going to say, you won't any longer be called the Olive Branch Missionary Baptist Church. I'm going to write my name on your door. And we've been faithful to him. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. This we have been hearing every sermon, because it's the last verse of every one of these letters. Are we wise enough to hear let me ask you, are you a part of the church, a vital part of the church, to whom the Lord has given a certain responsibility to carry his gospel? Are you aware of your mission? If you're not a part of the body of Christ, I'm not talking about you're part of this particular organization right here, but a part of a broader scope of the church, the body of Christ, of which I'm the body of Christ, 
and you're the body of Christ, if you're not a part of Jesus Christ the way you ought to be, and you're not using your abilities and talents to glorify him, won't you make a decision this evening to become a part of it and become a more vital part? If you're not a Christian, we invite you to come forward as we sing an invitation in and just give your heart to the Lord and say, I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. So all you got to do, the Lord will do it. All you got to do is make yourself available. Commit yourself to it. Say, I want to be a Christian, and the Lord will do the same. Because if you're not, if you are a Christian, but you are not a Christian. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.